The Queen has been buried today. I've got some thoughts on that. Joe Biden did his first sit-down interview in over 200 days, and it did not go well. The administration is scrambling today. Let's talk about that. A lot of sound bites there. This is Gene, and you've listened, you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I had a pretty good weekend. Uh, now let's get to let's get to the news because there's actually quite a bit to cover today. Uh, first off, we need to uh, we need to, to get an update on the Yeshiva Yeshiva University conflict. Remember, we talked about it on Thursday, where Yeshiva University's uh, petition to have the Supreme Court listen to them on having on not having an LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ. A group on campus because they are a Orthodox Jewish university and they their religion prohibits that. Yeah, well, Yeshiva apparently is just throwing up their hands. Uh, yeshiva has decided that they are going to cancel all clubs now. So, if they don't allow clubs on campus, that means the LGBTQ plus RSTWXYZ club cannot be there either. So, Yeshiva just gave up. Um, unfortunately, this was, and I, I know a lot of um, Orthodox Jews, and I know this is a huge problem for them. So I'm not completely surprised by this. So I, I'm, I'm wondering if they're going to go through the court system anyway. I don't know. We'll have to see. So there's probably going to be more to this story, but uh, as of right now, just remember the main per- main point of this whole thing is that. Uh, the LGBTQ community, they're going after people now. They're going after religion now. They want to be married in the Catholic Church. They want to be married in the uh, Jewish uh, uh, temples. The only place that the LGBTQ community doesn't seem to be attacking is Islam. Um, There are a lot of Islamic temples out here, or, or mosques out here, so I don't know why they continue to go... Well, yeah, you do. Why they go over Christian and Jewish religions... Because Muslims, for some reason, are considered oppressed, even though the Muslims, the Muslim world, is still a main trader in slavery. So, but that doesn't seem to make any difference. And uh, in other news, the Queen was buried today. Now, I, I, I like the Queen. I do. She was a good woman. She was su- supposed to be terribly friendly. Uh, she had a great sense of humor. I mean, I don't know. I've never met her, but apparently she had a great sense of humor. Some of it's actually caught on on film, so you can see that she she was always one for um, tradition and things like that. But she didn't let it ruin her day. So if let's just say I didn't curtsy or bow or whatever the hell men do, um, she wouldn't get upset about. It. She'd just say, "Oh yeah, you probably should bow," and that's about it. She she was just very. Very open, very human. She was also a staunch conservative. She 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 likes capitalism. She liked um, she liked capitalism. She liked democracy. She loved the United States, and she hated communism. And she ran she ran the country. She didn't really doesn't really run the country, but she advised the leaders of uh, Great Britain in that way. She was also a very religious woman, very religious woman. 
Um, she used to stay in, I think it's Boromir Castle. I can't remember the castle she she lived in a lot in Scotland, where the Scots and the British never really got along because you know they Scotland wants to be separate. If you hey see Braveheart, that's that's this thing that that happened. They still are bitter, but she used to walk around the town that she lived in all the time. And she would talk to the people, and the people of the town loved her when she was driving through to go to London. Um, everyone sat out and gave her respects, so she was very beloved. Uh, and you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what Charles is going to be like. Charles looks like he may have to ease up on a lot of the political rhetoric that he could do during his princehood, uh, but it sounds like he might have to back off as king, though from some of the rumors, it sounds like he's probably not going to be doing a lot of that. We'll have to see how that's going to go, because from my understanding, the rumor is today that he's going to have weekly meetings with the prime minister. Now, King Charles III is extremely liberal, and um, the prime minister whose name escapes me, uh, the new one, she was just elected two weeks ago. She met Queen Elizabeth three days before she died. So um, she's brand spanking new. The question is going to be, uh, how is he going to rule? Is he going to get in the middle of, of politics? We don't know. We'll have to actually see. Now, there's one thing that Every King Charles has done, King Charles I and King Charles II have done in the past, they've tried to break the parliament. So I, I don't think that is a foreshadowing or anything, but yeah, I mean, who knows? King Charles is a globalist, okay? He's a climate guy and he is a globalist. He has spoken at the World Economic Forum many a time. So we're going to have to see how that goes. Now, my personal opinion, I'm not a big guy on, on, on British royalty. I mean, we fought a war to get rid of them. And I know Great Britain right now is not a monarchy. It's actually a parliament. It runs on the par parliamentary system. But I've always been really turned off. And I've been turned off for a couple of reasons. One, the pageantry. And I, I have always been turned off with pageantry. I've been turned off by their weddings. I've been turned off by their funerals. If a president dies in this country, yeah, there are about four days of, I'd say pageantry, but not really. Okay, he lays in state for a few days. Then he goes to his graveyard, has a funeral, goes to his church, has a funeral, and then goes to and is buried. Reagan's is a prime example. I don't even think Reagan, I'm not even sure if Reagan laid in state at the at at the capital so I, I just don't care for the pageantry and today's was wild i mean it was just really really wild and it was really really long i believe it was eight hours before they actually buried her all that pageantry ugh, with the flags everywhere everyone wearing those funky uniforms and i'd love to know who taught the the british military to march because they always look like they're about to fall backwards every time they march. And then I just don't dig the reds. I don't dig the hats the guys wear. All that crap. It's just for me, that's not a thing. The other thing I really just don't care about the royalty is all the freaking 
drama that comes with it. The drama of Prince Char- King Charles now. The drama of Harry. The drama of Diane, of Fergie, of all those people. There was always drama. And if there was drama, <coughs> the United States covered it for decades. I mean, it, it's just, uh, we're still talking about Princess Diane and she's been gone for almost 30 years. So I, I just don't care for the drama. And the drama's already started. Prince Charles, oh, King, <laughs> Prince Charles, King Charles III has already said that he's going to make some massive changes to the, to the, uh, uh, to the uh, family. He's going to try and shrink the size of the family. And we already know, yeah, Harry's out. Prince Andrew, who's screwing little girls, is probably out. I, and I don't think any of that stuff can be really unexpected. I, I don't think that's a big deal. We'll have to see what he does. But, I mean, this is the kind of drama. When this crap starts happening, after an amount of time, it's going to be a few weeks to a month. It's going to definitely be after uh, Charles's coronation. Then we're going to have to hear for four hours a day on television how the drama, 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 drama. It's just, it's really old. So I, that's why I don't really care for it. I've never been a fan of the Royals. I, I you know, I know that Elizabeth was there and she was a very stable figure, good woman. Uh, but all the, all the crap, I, I didn't even watch it. I watched a little bit of it today, but had it in the background while I was listening to the Ben Shapiro show. Okay, let's get to the big story. Uh, it's been 200 days since uh, Joe Biden did an interview, a sit-down interview with a reporter. And that's actually been a really real problem for the administration because now on basically a daily basis, they were being asked, when is he going to have a sit-down interview with somebody? Combine that with a lot of the issues, the economy, the border, open border, the foreign policy issues, his mental health collapse, and his idiot vice president, it looks like he's hiding. And I don't know why that would be a shock. I mean, he hid during the entire presidential campaign in 2019 and 2020. So I'm not exactly sure why any of this is a big shock. So but Biden decided to go on 60 Minutes. Uh, and I thought to myself, this is going to be a softball interview. Uh, the interview ended, interviewer ended up being a guy named Scott Pelly. Now, I don't watch 60 Minutes because they've been caught lying way too many times, um, putting in fake stories and things like that. Well, Scott Pelley was, I mean, throwing him softball questions and making him look like a great old man, and we'll talk about why later. But he also did kind of hit up on him a little bit to the point where it looked like Biden was getting a tad bit frustrated. And he did bring up a lot of subjects that Biden really had to answer for. Not all of them. We'll talk about that at the end. But he did kind of hit him a little bit. Karen St. Pierre, John Pierre the press secretary is going to have a lot of explaining to do. I missed her, her press conference today, but the Biden administration had to walk back a bunch of stuff that he had said. And that's going to be a big problem for, for Karen Jean-Pierre because she's an idiot and she doesn't know how to answer anything. So be prepared. Uh, this press conference with her today, I'm, I'm sure I haven't seen it yet. I, I should probably look at it. I'm sure it's going to be four hours long because each answer to each question is going to be about five minutes, which doesn't answer the question. So let's go over some of the things that he said, because um, it's kind of telling. This first clip is 
Biden talks about inflation. He's asked about inflation. He's asked about the economy. And he's being told how people suffer. Now, this was something that Pelly did pretty well. He kind of pushed him a little bit. And even Biden seemed a little frustrated. So listen, listen to this exchange. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just um, uh, uh, just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it's good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not. You're, I, mean, I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2 percent. It's been it's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that, but guess what? We are. We're in a position where, for the last several months, it hasn't spiked. It has just barely. It's been basically even. Now, I don't know what world this guy... There, there's two things. One of two things here. Or one of three. You could have a couple of things here. One, is he completely out of touch and doesn't really know what's going on with inflation? Unlikely, because he knows it's at 8.3%. Is it likely he didn't know it was up from 2%? And that it has been going up consistently for the last 18 months? 8%, back down to 8%? Is he unaware that when Trump left office, it was 2%? So I don't want to hear, and by the way, that's where it should be, between a half percent to 2%. That's normal inflation. But then, and then he goes off on a tangent all right, he goes off on a tangent saying that, oh, the uh, look at look at our look at our unemployment, look at all the jobs I created. First off, um, we're actually stagnated. The jobs he quote created, end quote, he didn't create that that he just we are now back to pre-pandemic unemployment. And actually the unemployment level right now is higher than it was under Trump. So we're not even quite there yet. I think it was 3.4 with Trump. It's at 3.7 with Biden. And and by the way, the recession, which he was asked about also, the recession is not something you cannot say we're not in a recession because we got high we have high employment. It's actually the opposite. We can see a stagnation of, of uh, employment and even unemployment gains because of the recession, not the opposite. He's not getting it. And of course, there's not a lot of talk about the fact that he didn't bring up he didn't bring up wage gains. He can't do that. That was smart. He can't bring up wage gains because inflation is eating up the wages. So if we're at 8.3% inflation and wage gains are 5% higher than they were a year and a half ago, that means people are still at a net 3.3% loss. Now, I did like the way he did push back a little bit. And I know that, that one of the, the problems that these guys have, they have limited time. All right. But I think he could have even pushed back more. Now, what's telling about this statement is that he doesn't think he's doing anything wrong. He thinks he's doing a great job. He thinks our, their, our administ- his administration is doing a great job. He does not see any issues with this whole thing. 
That means nothing is going to change. He's going to keep doing it exactly the way he wants to do it. And I think I've told you more than once why I think he's doing that, because this is intentional. It's not an accident. He's doing this on purpose. He wants to bring the United States down. That's why you've got high rate. He wants big business muffled. That's why he's setting up such high regulations to the point we can't even drill anymore. And all this Green New Deal garbage that I never thought we'd see when AOC introduced it. And now we're seeing it left and right. Okay, but anyway, he did have an idea on how to get the economy back on track. Listen to this uh, genius analysis. What can you do to prevent a recession? Continue to grow the economy. And we're growing the economy. It's growing in, in a way that it hasn't in years and years. Here's the thing. Uh, this is such a stupid... Continue to grow the economy. Okay, I'm sorry. No one believes this, by the way. The economy's not growing. It's shrinking. It's stagnating. The GDP is down. It's going to be down for... Uh, uh, it was down the other day, uh, other month. It's going to be down for the next quarter. We're, we are not growing. He can't even say we're growing the economy. For the first six months of the year, we were at negative GDP. That is a loss of the economy. That's a shrinking of the economy. That's, that's economics 101. So no one's, no one's going to believe that crap. And then the other thing is, if he does believe that, what exactly are you doing? To improve, you keep saying you're growing the economy. Well, what exactly are you doing to grow the economy? Well, the economy, according to government spending, the government is trying to grow the economy by spending more money. That's that's what they that's what he considers growing the economy. Subsidies, tax breaks for certain for certain certain things, regulations, the government, the government is trying to control the economy. And as the government spends more and more money, that's how he's growing the economy. Of course, we already know places like China, places like Soviet Union, places like Russia, you can't grow the economy from the government. The government only stifles the economy. Okay, well, let's take a look at this one here, this next track. Uh, He was asked about his approval ratings and even this guy said, hey, you know, your approval ratings, they're pretty bad. Here's his answer. Your approval rating in the country is well below 50%. And I wonder why you think that is. This is a really difficult time. We're at an inflection point in the history of this country. We're going to make decisions and we're making decisions now that are going to determine what we're going to look like in the next 10 years from now. I think you'd agree that... The impact on the psyche of the American people as a consequence of the pandemic is profound. Think of how that has changed everything. The people's attitudes about themselves, their families, about the state of the nation, about the state of their communities. And so there's a lot of uncertainty out there, a great deal of uncertainty. Now, I read something on Twitter that really kind of clarified it. I didn't even think about it as I'm listening to him. Do you notice why his approval ratings are down it's not him it's us it's our problem we're uncertain 
Well, here's the thing. This is why we're uncertain. Nobody wanted him to change the country in the next 10 years. Nobody wanted him to do what he's doing with the IRS and spend all this money. Nobody wanted him to change the country. They wanted him to be matter, moderate. And instead, we got a AOC leftist. I mean, he's not unifying. He is causing and heating up contention between people. And by the way, this is one of those areas where this guy should have pushed back a little bit. Well, I mean, yeah, but you just called half the country terrorists. I mean, he did that two weeks ago. He does this throughout the interview with gun control and Trump. Um, he just keeps heating up the contention, the, the contentious nature of people. I mean, you sit there, you, you talk about Trump, which I, I think is ironic considering what he's accusing Trump of, um, him and Biden are actually doing. Him him and Hunter are actually doing. I, I, I just don't... And then gun control again. He lays, he lays this thing about gun control and it's just kind of like, you do realize there are... 50% of the population, 60% of the population owns a gun. Including people in his own party. Okay, so here's the first controversial piece. Uh, I don't even think I need to I, I, I need to introduce it. It's a pretty controversial piece. The reason I don't really need to introduce it is because he said this. This is the third time he said this thing. And the White House has been jumping up and down telling him to stop talking like this. Let's listen. What should Chinese President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan? We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago. And that there's a one China policy and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving. We're not encouraging their being independent. We're not let that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy has not changed. Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan. But the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes, Again, it's the third time he said that, and the White House walked it back. I, first off, you cannot believe in the one China policy and then threaten China for taking Taiwan by force. China goes by the one China policy, and according to their one China policy, Taiwan is part of China. So you, you can't believe in the one China policy and then do something if China takes back Taiwan by force. Now, here's the kicker. I wouldn't mind if he was blustery like this. China is, or China needs to be put in their place. And um, Taiwan is kind of important for the United States economy. They make all the semiconductors, all those, the computer chips over there. I got news for you. When I hear that China is ready to invade Taiwan, I'm buying another computer because I may not be able to afford it after that. Speaking of freaking inflation that... Biden has nothing to do with. But, I mean, 
I wouldn't mind if he said this stuff. I, 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 I don't think he's... First off, he's a liar. He's not going to have the balls to do anything. So this is a stupid thing. And the fact is that he keeps saying things that the government has to sit back and say, uh, no, you can't say that anymore. And he still says it. And this is a sit down. I got to tell you, a scripted interview. He knows the questions that are coming. I would not even be shocked if he had a teleprompter there. Okay, so this is a question that really should have been pushed back on when he made his statements. But all this did was make Biden croon like a a, a great father. Uh, so I don't know why the media just ignores this garbage. If you run again, Republicans are most likely to go after your son, Hunter, once again. And I wonder what you would like to say about your son and whether any of his troubles have caused conflicts for you or for the United States. I love my son, number one. He fought an addiction problem. He overcame it. He wrote about it. And no, there's not a single thing that I've observed at all from that would affect me or the United States relative to my son, Hunter. Here is probably the softball question of the night. It's a terrible question because it just, it, it, it goes around all of the things that Hunter Biden is being accused of. And by the way, Joe Biden's being accused of too. It ignores the problem with Burisma in Ukraine. That's a big problem here. Why are we giving $15 billion to Ukraine? 15, sorry, 75 to 100 billion. Why are we giving them that much money? Could it be that Joe Biden is exposed? He's compromised? Why wasn't China brought up? And why why is Joe Biden appearing to bend the knee to China? Could it be his son worked for on the board of an energy company in China tied to the China, the CCP and made a lot of money over there and Joe Biden is compromised? And by the way, we know right now there is a ton of evidence that shows that Joe Biden was making money off that stuff. But we don't need a whole lot of evidence because all you have to do is look at his bank account. How is a career politician since the age of 29 suddenly worth $20 million? Now, I know, oh, well, Dr. Jill. Dr. Jill's not a heart surgeon, for Christ's sake. She's a glorified teacher. She's not making her job. She's making maybe making $100,000, 150000 a year. That's it. Where'd Joe Biden get all this money? How does he own four mansions? And this guy should have brought up, what about the emails? What about the voicemails? One voicemail of Joe Biden talking. I did play that in the past. And telling, and, and, and telling Hunter that he's working with the New York Times and not to worry about this report. What about, that's the other thing, what about Hunter's laptop? You would have thought some of this stuff would have been brought up. What about the physical independent witnesses who have worked with Hunter and met with Joe? One of which was with with uh, Tucker Carlson a year and a half ago and no one talks about it. Why didn't he bring up his daughter's diary? 
Which, by the way, if you think that if you think that the two people that actually stole the diary, and by the way, they didn't steal a diary, they found the diary, are now serving jail time because the weaponized FBI thought it was important to get this diary back. What about the pedophilia accusations on Joe Biden that are within that diary? And that's a diary. That's supposed to be a private journal. And doesn't make it legally private. And she actually accused him of touching her, of taking showers with her. Now, I mean, all this stuff should have been asked. None of it was. This is why he goes. This is a cream puff question. And what it does is it doesn't answer any questions. All it does is make Joe say how much he loves his son and how great his son is and all that other crapola. Okay, now come the big questions. Okay, let's listen to this. Let's listen to this one. You are the oldest president ever. Pretty good shape, huh? Which leads to my next question. You are more aware of this than anyone. Some people ask whether you are fit for the job. And when you hear that, I wonder what you think. Watch me. Honest to God, that's all I think. Watch me. If you think I don't have the energy level or the mental acuity, then, then, you know, that's one thing. It's another thing of just watch and, and, you know, keep my schedule. Do what I'm doing. I I think that, uh, you know, uh, I don't, when I sit down with our NATO allies and keep them together, I don't have them saying, wait a minute, how how old are you? What do you, what do you say? You know, I mean, it's a matter of, you know, that old expression, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. I mean, I, I, I respect the fact that people would say, you know, you're old. And, but I think it relates to how much energy you have and whether or not the job you're doing is one consistent with what any person of any age would be able to do. How would you say your mental focus is? Oh, it's focused. <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look, I have trouble even mentioning, even saying to myself my own head the number of years. I no more think of myself as being as old as I am than fly. I mean, it's just not, uh, uh, I haven't observed anything in terms of, there's not things I don't do now that I did before, whether it's physical or mental or anything else. Okay, first first thing off, and this isn't actually that important, but he really needs to stop with the whispering thing. It's creepy. And if you, obviously you can't see the interview, you can go to my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com and you can look at the interview. But if you look at him, he's leaning in and it's just creepy, especially with the amount of times this guy has been accused of sniffing little girl's hair and now with his daughter's diary. I mean, it's just, you probably should stop doing that. Now let's get to the other stuff here. Um, One, he's not in good shape. We are watching him. His schedule is hidden from us. He takes days off all the time. He takes time off. He cuts his day short all the time. He leaves the White House every weekend to go to Delaware. We are. He hasn't been interviewed in seven months. We are watching him. But I don't need to talk too much. His mental acuity has been on display for the last year and a half. Let's take a look at a little cut of 
his mental acuity over the last year and a half, shall we? This way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, from, from, uh, uh, Char excuse me, from Charlotte, one, another line going from in Florida down to Tampa. Of uh, Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him. Uh, put, put. The idea that um, Los Angeles and uh, and uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? For two reasons: one, to we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is. Uh, um, let me say another way. But the nature. Not a solid meeting with um, with uh, the. Uh, they make a very good point. Here's the deal. Here's what drives the driver in the states that are affected. Here's what that you can do. The drivers. The. Um, That's all him. In the last year and a half, that doesn't even include his campaign, where he hid in his basement and didn't hold the interviews, didn't want to debate, right? That's him. In While he was president. Does that sound like a guy? And, and we could have done more. We could have easily done more. Does that sound like a guy who's got it all together? Well, here's the thing. Even the Democrats aren't believing it. So, yeah, that's going to be a problem. Okay, in this next clip, uh, yeah, this is kind of a big deal. Um, we're we're going to have to sit back and hear what the Biden administration is going to say here because I'm sure they're not going to love what he said about the pandemic. Let's listen to this one. Mr. President, first Detroit auto show in three years. Yeah. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. The pandemic is over? Well, if the pandemic is over, why is he still pushing max mandates? If the pandemic is over, why doesn't he rehire those hundreds of thousands that were fired because they didn't get the vax? If the pandemic is over, why is he still pushing mask mandates, especially in schools? Hell, he still wears a mask. If the And he's had it like 18 times in the last month. If the pandemic is over, why is he pushing back? Why isn't he pushing back on the teachers' unions? who want to keep schools closed still. In New York, they still are keeping schools closed. I bet you this will be walked back to. The pandemic was a great reason to keep everything shut down and keep power. Okay, so I know I'm running late, but there's a lot here. Finally, the and trust me, I cut it out. Here's the last question. I think this is the question everyone wants to know. Let's listen. 
Sir, are you committed to running again, or are there certain conditions that have to be right? Look, if I were to say to you, I'm running again, all of a sudden a whole range of things come into play that I have uh, requirements I have to change and move and do. In terms of election laws? In terms of election laws. And it's much too early to make that kind of decision. I'm a great respecter of fate. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing my job. I'm going to do that job. And within the time frame that makes sense after this next election cycle here, going into next year, make a judgment of what to do. You say that it's much too early to make that decision. I take it the decision has not been made in your own head. Look, my intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again. But it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. Oh my gosh. First he's unsure, then he is sure, then he's running, then he says it's too early to say, then he he is running again, now he's not sure. Which is it? I mean, this is the problem with this administration. They're completely muddled. By the way, the election laws, what election laws exactly are preventing him from running again? Is there an election law that is going to prevent him from running? I don't think so. There should be. I mean, he's the 80-year-old man who shouldn't be able to be president, especially if he has dementia. I don't think any 80-year-old president. I don't want Joe. I don't want Donald Trump running. But there's a law preventing him. Ugh, what a freaking moron! So this was a pretty softball interview. There wasn't, I mean, yeah, I pushed back a little bit here and there, but not enough. Uh, so here are some things that, about the interview itself. It was fawning. They talked about Joe's family. They talked about the tragedies in life, in his life. They talked about all of the difficulties being president. And they talked about how bad Trump was. So this was definitely a leftist interview. There was no consistency in the interview. One of the things they talked about was Ukraine and Taiwan. Why didn't you ask those questions back to back? Because Ukraine is influencing China's decision on Taiwan. We could see the same thing in a couple of months happening in Taiwan that happened in Ukraine. Don't you think those two things together would have been a, a good story? Well, they can't do that. And the reason they can't do that is because Biden screwed up with Russia. And that's why they invaded. And he's screwing up with China. And that's probably why they're going to invade. He showed too much weakness. There was no talk about Hunter Biden. Really, Hunter Biden. There was no serious details on the Hunter Biden scandal. They basically said, oh, he's, he's up for tax evasion. No, there's a little bit more than that, including possible pedophilia. So, no, there's a little bit more to the Hunter Biden story than that. Um, also, the money is a big thing. Because I've said it 50 times, Joe, Joe Biden is compromised. That's why he's giving all this money to Ukraine, and that's why he will not push China back because he's compromised. He's been getting his money from China and Ukraine. Uh, there was no questions about the weaponization of the FBI, IRS, or DOJ. And I got news for you. That's a big thing for a lot of 
about half the country. No questions about the student loan debt handout because that's not popular. Uh, and it's illegal. That's the other thing. Um, there were a bunch of question subjects that were absolutely skipped. Afghanistan, the border crisis, crime. His less than unifying speech two weeks ago where he preached about the evils of Republicans, calling them terrorists. The Iran nuclear deal, which is about to be signed. I, it may not be, but what about that one? And the end of the interview, oh my gosh, just see that. It was fawning. Oh, you're such a good man and blah, blah, blah. Trump would have never gotten any of that. It was a crap interview. Didn't hit anything. No pushback. Little bit of pushback here and there. And when Biden got pushed back, guess what? They eased up on him. And the White House had to roll back some of the things he said. Crap. Okay, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. I know I ran late today, but lots to talk about. Uh, take care of yourself. Talk to you tomorrow. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>